You are now listening to Double Jump Radio. G'day everyone and welcome to episode 45 of Double Jump Radio, the official podcast of DoubleJump.co. I'm your host, Sabia, and I'm joined once again by my co-host, John. John, how you going, mate? I'm going all right. It's um quiet-ish week. I've actually been playing games, which I think every time I, that's true, I always announce it. <laughs> it's a surprise. It's like, it's like oh, I've been playing games this week, everyone. It's a new, new day. <laughs> but um, yeah, otherwise, it's going okay. What about you? Yeah, I, I've been good. Second week of isolation um, with COVID in the house, but... You know what? Um, lucky I'm in a in a type of job that lets me work from home, so it's it's not so bad. Yeah, that's that's a uh, that's something. <laughs> that's nice. <laughs> um, yeah, but um, um, just want to start off the show by uh, you know sending our thoughts um, to the families affected by the the tsunami that happened in Tonga over the weekend, as well as the earthquake that hit Afghanistan yesterday. Um, you know, it's. You know, you 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 always um, you never want to hear about things like this happening. Um, you know, we're very lucky in Australia that we don't really get a lot of these natural disasters. Besides, you know, you know, bushfires and flooding. So whenever anyone else is affected by something so dire, you just you just kind of feel for them. So yeah, from everyone here at Double Jump, just uh, want to um, yeah throw our support behind you all and folks at home. Like, look up. I know Red Cross, uh, um, UNICEF, like the UN, there's quite a few different ways to donate to relief efforts um, in both the countries. So please do look up, uh, you know, the relevant, I guess, relevant uh, charities in your area. But um, let's uh, let's move on to something a little bit more more happy. And, and let's talk about uh, the articles on uh, Double Jump this past week. Uh, we had, I guess, the first two parts of Jake's um, three of the best winter wildcards series where he breaks down the, the I guess, the three top teams you can create using the winter uh, winter wildcards kind of uh, ultimate team releases in FIFA 22. So, uh, yeah, um, unfortunately, John and myself, we're not <laughs> exactly the, the, the FIFA type, so we don't have much to add to it, but Jake's got a lot of um, great advice within the articles, so definitely check them out. John, how about we talk about some of the major news um, over the past seven days? One of the main stories is some of the uh, continuing kind of speculation coming out of Activision Blizzard and, and, and the kind of, you know, harassment, toxic work culture scandal. Uh, the first piece is that uh, Phil Spencer, the head of Xbox, spoke with Wall Street Journal. And in an interview this week, um, I guess when asked about you know, how Xbox is moving forward with partners like Activision Blizzard, um, he said that you know, he's, he's not going to provide any specific um, you know, wording to any outlets out there. He's not really going to comment on it. But one thing he did say is that, quote, we have changed how we do certain things with them, and they are aware of that. So, uh, end quote. So, not quite sure what this means, and whether or not this has some sort of financial pa- penalty. Uh, what do you What do you think, um, John, about his statement there? Yeah, it's very. Um, I think like if you go through the quotes, being like, um, you know, 
that's what like spotlighted in certain out like you know in outlets and stuff a lot of it just comes down to the fact that he's saying anything at all is good you know just for the sake of this topic being relevant and worth need like needs to be um acknowledged and discussed mm. by people at that level um because like yeah like yeah. you know people was it like people at sony and nintendo they sent like private emails they don't really mean much like they leaked it or like or they were leaked they might have been purposely leaked it doesn't really matter much yeah. so it's like it's kind of nice to hear something even if it's very um sort of uh what's the word like dancing around the point you know it's yeah, like saying, very very safe yeah it's like not really being very uh severe with his statements um mm. so it's yeah i'm not yeah. I'm not and, sure yeah. it, it doesn't like it's not a very um yeah it's hard to see it having much impact but it is nice to know there's mm. like a change in their relationship whatever that is mm. i don't know yeah well, well that's the thing like speaking to that um uh later on in the interview <clears throat> Phil Spencer did acknowledge that Xbox had its own kind of, I guess, brushings with toxic culture or like, you know, overtly masculine kind of uh, workplace uh, like events. Like one of the things he called out was a GDC party in 2016 where there were, you know, scantily clad dancers hired. You know, that's pretty, like we always talk about the booth babes in like, you know, E3 from years past, but like 2016 isn't really that long ago. Mm. Um, to have something that egregious um i mean not that it happening years ago forgives it um but i'm just mean that like you know we had started to discuss like things like this like this was not long up this would have been a couple of years after the whole activision not sorry activision the assassin's creed oh you know women are too hard to code or like the All animations right. are too difficult like remember that whole crap that happened i think it was around um assassin's creed unity yeah it would have been around the that. one in france yeah. that was yeah so like you know it was it was well after that had been documented i think gamergate had happened as well so like it's it is pretty pretty late on and when he did get questioned on that phil spencer said that you know <laughs> quote uh any of the partners that are out there if i can learn from them or i can help them with the journey that we've been on at xbox by sharing what we've done and what we've built I'd much rather do that than to get into any kind of finger wagging at other companies that are out there. So it sounds like a like Phil Spencer's pretty much taking a glass house approach to this, yeah, and acknowledging that no one's got their hands um, clean. Mm. Yeah, which is I don't know. I guess it's like it, it's definitely sound. Well, I guess like when you're coming out through like a cynical perspective, it's kind of nice mm. to know. It's like I'm glad. Spencer's acknowledging that Microsoft, like either, or like either previously as he's acknowledging, or currently has its own issues that he might not be aware of, or he's trying to change. Yeah. So it's just like it kind of feels a bit more realistic in a way that feels a little more effective in what he's trying yeah. to express. So rather than just but saying, you know, is, we're not going to be like that, and so on. Like that. The idea of that GDC party happening in 2016, like that was when he was head of Xbox. He was, you know, he had already taken over by that stage. So do you think he's doing the thing where it's like, hey, listen, I'm admitting what we've done. And then you kind of sweep it under the rug. And like, because of all the goodwill he's gotten by, you know, over the years of kind of cultivating this, you know, consumer first attitude at Xbox, like that image. Do you think he's kind of getting like a pass here? Yeah, I can definitely see that. It is like kind of probably the smartest play <laughs> if you want to try and mm. 
avoid discussion of that. Like again, uh, like I guess like it was enough ago, long enough. Yeah, long enough ago now that it's like it's easy for the general, you know, game following public to dismiss it, or at least to you know brush it aside for now because there's so many other mm. awful things happening still currently, or just more recently. Yeah. So it's um, I don't know. Yeah. It, a lot of it, yeah. It's like when you break it down, it's a lot of it's just very smart politicking again Spencer's yeah. very good at that I like I went he he's yeah he's he's media trained for sure yeah <laughs> um uh, yeah yeah well elsewhere um in the Activision Blizzard's figure of uh like shitstorm is the fact that uh you know according to a separate Wall Street Journal report um that apparently CEO Bobby Kotick um who somehow is still there <laughs> um uh, has actually been hiding the fact that the company's been hemorrhaging more staff or been reprimanding more staff than, you know, it's it's revealing. Now, this comes from anonymous sources uh, from the Wall Street Journal uh, that said that more than three dozen employees, I believe uh, the one source quoted was 37 people, uh, were actually let go and 44 people were uh, reprimanded as part of the ongoing, you know, the internal investigations at Activision Blizzard. Um, however, while the report, <coughs> the newspaper claimed that some of its sources said that over 700 complaints have been filed during the course of these investigations, uh, this other source denied uh, that, that figure specifically. Like, I- I'm sure there have been quite a few different complaints, but mm. um, yeah, like this many like i don't know i I can believe that considering how big activision blizzard is i can imagine that there have been 700 complaints yeah it's i don't know it's hard to imagine the scale of the company but yeah when you say it like that it's like oh yeah i guess that's pretty easy to believe it's just a big number really when you think about what it's you know (laughs) tracking but like um yeah i think there's a quote somewhere there we don't have it here right now, but like um, where Codex says that he's specifically, you know, not revealing these numbers just to try to downplay the just the entire scandal again. Like, I mean, like not not that that's like new information in this story. It's just like it's, it seems to be a very um, deliberate move um, by Codex as like you know continuing to be the head of Activision. Yeah. So it's like yeah, um, like the quote, like according to like. The, the quote from one of the sources is that, yeah. um, you know, he was quoted to have suggested that, um, you know, the news, quote, could make the company's workplace problems seem bigger than is already known, end quote. Uh, allegedly, that's a quote. I guess, you know what? Um, I mean, it was the SEC kind of weighing in that started to make things change. Like, even the California Department of um, Employment and Fair Housing didn't really kick up as much of a stink so i wonder if this is like one of those things where oh wait if it's worse than what is being reported that's you know gonna make that's gonna drop our share price you know it's not something we want the shareholders to panic if they panic they start selling that devalues our share price it's kind of like a like a cycle i wonder if maybe part of this is that kind of thinking yeah i guess a lot of it is just trying to like it's like they're bleeding a bit when it comes to these firings and stuff because we've reported on a few of them, like that um, Afro Asabi guy from 
like Blizzard and a few others and like from um, one of the COD studios. So like it kind of keeps yeah. coming out. Like, it, you know, it's like trickling out and that could have happened, you know, 40 more times. <laughs> um, so I can understand why they're trying to, you know, cut it short as much as, I, you know, yeah. they shouldn't be necessarily like they're doing it for selfish reasons, obviously. Or like, yeah, yeah anyway. No. Uh, I know. At least that's, that's the Activision Blizzard... Uh, I guess uh, latest updates, <laughs> which is becoming yeah. tradition here at, here at Double Jump. Yeah, the Activision Digest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of shareholders, uh, you know, in large multinational companies in gaming, I guess if Activision Blizzard shareholders aren't too happy right now, it seems like Zynga's shareholders are very happy. John, <laughs> what's what happened over there? What happened in the mobile gaming space? Yes. Um, within last week, Take Two, the company that owns GTA. Borderlands, NBA 2K, and Bioshock. They've announced the, they're acquiring um, Zynga, the mobile games giant. So that this is the biggest acquisition ever in the games industry. So at 12.7 billion, so that is over... That's US. Yeah, right. Yeah, so like, what is it, like 30 billion? <laughs> um, <laughs> A bazillion dollars. Yeah. Literal. So yeah. that's like... So this is a comparison to Tencent's investment in Supercell, which was at 8.6 billion US, and Microsoft buying Bethesda at 8.1 billion. So it's quite a mm. it's was it 30% leap? <laughs> so um, yeah, it's pretty pretty big, pretty pretty big. Yeah. So um, so the company said that Zynga's ex oh, Take Two representatives said that Zynga's expertise could help it um, drive its free to play and cross platform ambitions. So um, a lot of it is just a lot of what they've stated with this acquisition is basically they're buffing up their mobile division to the point where they see they expect it to like the profits of Take Two to be fifty percent mobile compared to twelve currently <laughs> um, as expected or like fifty yeah. percent in fiscal year like next year in twenty twenty three so they're expecting like yeah. big changes to their profit margins as a result of this. <laughs> Yeah, um, I, guess, I guess it makes sense. Like, there's no, like, if we think about this here, there's no, like, GTA release. There's no... Oh, there was one. Like... Remember the no, but as in, like, there's... I think the ports have been delayed. Oh, yeah, right. But in yeah, terms of, right. like, there's no Bioshock this year. There's no um, WWE game. Hmm. There's no mainline Borderlands. There's the spinoff, you know, the uh, the board game spinoff, the tabletop RPG spinoff. Uh, was it Tiny Tina's something Wonderland? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yep. So I think it, it makes sense that like maybe Take Two's looked at what Activision Blizzard's done when it acquired King and it's just like like the King who makes some, um, you know, the Candy Crush games, like it's clearly still a cash cow for Activision Blizzard. So I guess maybe Take Two's had a look at that and is and is like rubbing its hands together and wanting a piece of that pie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I'm actually curious to see how King operated it after Activision because I don't remember that event like that acquisition so i'm kind of curious to yeah. go back and see how it compares actually like you mentioning it now mm. but like um yeah i will also mention just to cap it off so as part of this like mobile beefing up that means zynga will basically take over take two's mobile efforts entirely it'll go under the zynga brand from now on instead of t2 mobile games and um yeah so it's basically just two halves of the same company sort of from now on rather than mm. being yeah, just it makes sense. Mm. It makes sense. Like, why not 
leave your mobile if it's to the company that's made billions of mobile and has a proven track record. And then we will handle the AAA console PC releases. Yeah. So it's like instead of being, you know, a company being subsumed, <laughs> consumed into like a greater whole, this is more about like just two halves existing at once. So it's yeah. like, um, which is yeah. kind of different than usual. <laughs> Most of them's just, you know, like the embracer groups, many <laughs> acquisitions. Um, <laughs> yeah. So um, as part, also another part of this announcement is there's a rumored GTA 6 launch window. Um, um, as people, industry analysts have kind of figured out. Um, so part of this announcement, the comp- uh, Take Two forecasts that its compound annual growth rate through to 2024 will be 14%. So this is um, following on what people were able to figure out from GTA 5's kind of development period and release schedule. So um, this means that um, this means that Take Two is planning a major release um, at the end of its financial year of March 31st, 2024. So sometime between, or sometime around there. So this was similar to GTA 5, where it kind of hinted at a similar, you know, expected profits at 2.12 or early 2013. So that got delayed. So they, and like this was actually shown in the financial targets. So anyway, long story short, <laughs> there's there's a good chance we're getting GTA 6 around early 2024 or something, or, you know, or just before or 2023. There's a period of yeah. time where they're expecting it to be done and released. So here's like, based on our experience, I'm going to say like it gets announced around E3 this year for like a February release date next year and then it gets pushed to the end of the year. <laughs> like I, I can picture that. So like a 20, it'll be like a 2023 release and who knows, maybe it'll get pushed again to 2024 but I feel like GTAs always have like, generally Rockstar games have a bit of a lead time between announcement and release, mm-hmm. right? Red Dead had that, you know, the other GTAs had that. So I, I don't expect this to be like a quick re- announce release i don't think i expect that to happen within the same year mm. yeah i wouldn't so yeah, yeah. it's a good call yeah. <laughs> i expect a very especially for like a gta title in like current mm. rockstar period where they only make one game at a time and it takes forever i can imagine that'd be a big gulf of time between announcement and release again yeah but um <laughs> yeah so talking of unannounced games um, Respawn's yep. got one, apparently. Yeah, so uh, Respawn Entertainment, the much-loved developer of Titanfall, Titanfall 2, Apex Legends, and Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, not Star Wars Fallen Jedi Order. I always get that, <laughs> I always get that title confused. It's just so generic. I'm, yeah. I'm sorry, but it is very generic. Yes. Um, so apparently, in addition to, uh, I guess, the... Uh, the Star Wars game, there's like a separate Star Wars game, I think, in in work there. And there's yeah. also the Jedi Fallen Order 2. Oh, there's a second one. <laughs> that race one. I think they were, uh, yes. And then now this is like the third project. Like, and so, okay. So, essentially what's happened is that Muhammad Alavi, um, who was... He previously at EA working with Res- not EA sorry Activision working with uh, Respawn Entertainment. He was actually the the chief designer of the No Russian mission from Modern Warfare Two. Believe it or not, oh. uh, so he has pedigree with um I guess Respawn Entertainment, which started off as like a I guess a splinter of re- of uh, 
Infinity Ward, you know, the Call of Duty developers. So basically the, the founders of that studio basically had a disagreement with Activision, jump ship to EA, set up Respawn Entertainment and, and Titanfall. And now essentially this, um, this uh, creative director has left this unannounced project and um, uh, when, um, you know, Games Beat, uh, which is part of Venture Beat, uh, delved into it, had a had a poke around, spoke to some sources, and they basically confirmed that uh, this ge- the game that he was working on is a is a new, is an original game, but is not set within the Titanfall universe, or it's not Titanfall Three, which um, bumps me out severely. Uh, but that uh, EA isn't scrapping all the work; um, it's actually planning to keep to its uh, expected launch of 2024 or 2025. So, like, I don't think this game is anywhere near being announced, but, you know, I'm, I am I really want Titanfall 3. <laughs> yeah, it's... That's, that's all... Uh, yeah, I'm sad. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, it's like Respawn's kind of been... It's kind of interesting to see, like, a game that's, like, it's a developer that's still relatively young. Like, I think it's, like, a decade, maybe, around... Oh, no, it has to be mm. a bit older than that. Because when did Titanfall came out, like 2013? Because it came out with the Xbox yes, One, right? it was the Xbox One. So it would have been 2014, like early 2014, like just after. Or maybe it was 2013. Like it might, I remember it being around launch, like not long after launch. Yeah. Well, anyway, they're, like, they're kind of like a relatively new studio with like, you know, a lot yeah. of pedigree behind its like developers, but they've kind of been... Yeah. I don't know, they feel like one of those like higher end developers that you can kind of expect high quality stuff out of already so it's like mm. i don't know three games at once seemingly <laughs> they've got yeah, development it's is, um, yeah like exciting that's a lot to expect from a like a small team yeah well like, it, like i don't think it's such a big studio can't be that small now especially with like apex being maintained but i guess yeah, but, I don't but know. it's not like um compared to like other studios like like I think they've got yeah so basically they've got like so the Cal- the main studio is in California and the they've got a subsidiary in Canada right that's kind of the okay. the two things so it's it's um yeah like it's just a bit of a bummer because you know you wish you, you, like the thing about Titanfall is that it's 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 like beloved like it's just like one of those games that it deserves so much more than it got like yeah titanfall one was a bit of a bumpy ride but it was like a solid new entry that was doing things very differently and titanfall 2 like the single player is like i I like the single player um but the multiplayer was like immensely fun it's like like it's just a shame that you know like ea did the thing where like drastically reduced the price of titanfall 2 to like 10 bucks and like a whole bunch of people jumped on it last year when it came to steam but it's like now like what what's happened is that basically the the servers are so neglected that you can't actually play Titanfall 2 officially yeah like the servers are getting ddosed <laughs> and everything yeah modders basically took over created like an like unofficial fork called north star and it, you basically still use the game files and everything, but it's like they're hosting their own private servers to make it work. Hmm. Like, and and it's apparently got quite like a popular, like it's quite active user base. So, it's um, yeah. From what I understand, it's like very, it's like, it's like a you know, it's like an old school shooter, like server based. It's only servers. <laughs> like you have to go hunt one down that you want to play. 
it's almost like mm. I think it's like ninety percent pilots only. <laughs> I don't think it's like there's almost no, and because of the because <laughs> it's being servers, there's like no AI in it. So it's like actually changed the way mo- certain modes work or they don't work. Yep, actually, definitely because like, like in the games, you'd have like a lot of these like literal like human like just kind of AI powered human soldiers just called grunts, and you just kind of like farm them for points or to to like power up your your Titan and everything. And it's like it's weird not having those there. Like, it, it having those there kind of made the battlefield seem more like filled than it really was, but. The thing is, like Titanfall, it it's got such a solid multiplayer like foundation that even if all you're doing is like shooting each other and running around, like that's enough. Like that's all you need. Yeah, yeah, because there's like no progression either, because all that stuff is connected to Respawn's own network. The official. So it's kind of an end. Like everything's unlocked from the start. I'm remembering a few things Mm -hmm. you're talking. It's (laughs) like, um, yeah, it's I don't know. It's it anyway. That's kind of a different topic, really. But it's um, yeah. Yeah, so Titanfall 2's got some life in it. Like, I don't know, imagine how big Titanfall 3 is going to be when it eventually comes out, because I bet they're kind of betting on it, relaunching in a big way eventually. In Especially that, like, Battlefield is, like, really, really tanking for EA. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's a like, very good point, actually. Like, like, Apex Legends... Like, Apex Legends is the only, I think, popular shooter series like shooter title that EA has out right now even multiplayer like besides like if you if like EA's got the sports games mm. it had you know Fallen Order was like a like a gem a couple of years ago and now it's like uh, Apex Legends like you, you can't really think of like a game in recent years that's done really well for EA I guess Medal of Honor Oh, that VR uh, game was meant to be really rough too. Yeah, like Medal of Honor above and beyond, like the documentary that was filmed for it. Remember that one won an Academy Award? Yeah. So like I guess but like the Academy Award winning studio Respawn Entertainment yes. <laughs> is something we can say. Yeah. Yeah, but it's like, you know, not in that VR games have much of a ceiling, I guess, in terms of like potential profits, but the fact that Medal of Honor also kind of failed from the sounds of it. I, I don't know, maybe it's sort of okay, but I remember hearing a lot of bad things when it launched, but it's, um, what else? Oh yeah. Need for speed, which they always seem to have a lot of trouble with. Like they always sell mm. incredibly well and that's all that really matters, I guess, but there's never really much excitement behind them. And it's like, no, and I haven't really seen anything change here either. Mm. So like, um, yeah, but yeah. Oh yeah. But the reason I was thinking like coming back in like, you know, after 2025, I guess, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I could see it being like Alan Wake 2, you know, where it's like just a much like a sequel that people have been wanting for. Well, I mean, oh, like there's countless sequels like that in games, really. But like, um, I know I'd be interested to see how Titanfall evolves because I think they've t- teased it being like a bigger part of Apex as well. Yeah, but um, like the most recent like animated short literally had like a Titanfall pilot. Mm. Kind of go up against one of the the, the 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 kind of the hero characters. It's like <sighs> Titanfall Two has some of the best gameplay in every any multiplayer game ever. Like it's it's just fun. It's just the movement's so good, the mechanics good. Like the shooting's fun. It's just it's one of those games that just gets out of your way and just lets you play. And I think that's that's what I think Titanfall 3 can really capitalize on is like take the learnings from a game like Apex Legends 
Take the learnings from what, where things went wrong with Titanfall 1 and 2. Take the learnings from EA not getting behind you. Like, Titanfall 3 has the recipe to be amazing. Like, and, and I guess, like, with that, like, it doesn't even have to be a paid game. Like, I think as a free-to-play game, it would be immensely popular. Mm. Um, Especially, like, look at Halo. Like, Halo's used to be a $60 game. And you would, you know, that was just the only way to play it. Now... Like the campaigns paid for, but the the multiplayer is free. I'm kind of you know Call of Duty's got a free free mode Warzone, mm. right? I do wonder if publishers are kind of watching Halo Infinite's like shift to free to play to see, like, because it's like it does feel too early to say whether it's successful or not. Yeah, and it's like I'm kind of wondering, like, you know, it's like a year later, it's like okay, now we're gonna start doing it, something similar, like maybe it'll, yeah. You know, I mean, we think it'll work. Yeah, like now. there's still a lot of complaining about the microtransactions and this and that but um like overall like halo is st- like it's a popular game like it's being played a lot yeah you can't say the same thing for battlefield yeah i don't know i've been hearing like bits and pieces about people getting more into it lately for some reason i think because people have been able to get cheaper copies and people are like i don't know yep i guess it's like <laughs> i guess people are coming into it with like low expectations and they're enjoying it that's my impression of it yeah and so it's yeah. kind of getting better word of mouth lately but i don't know we'll see yeah but um trust me <laughs> speaking of someone who paid for some dumb early access version of the game yeah <laughs> I- i'm definitely aware that people are getting the game much cheaper yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but that's my fault <laughs> anyway yeah yeah don't pre-order games folks i don't know why people do it um <laughs> Uh, aside from having the money I don't have. Uh, <laughs> um, speaking of long-demanded sequels, um, Stalker 2, Heart of Chernobyl has been delayed again, or is further away than it was before. So it's yep. been delayed to December 8, 2022. Um, Ukrainian developer GESC Game World, which is like technically the same developer as the first one, but as I understand, the whole entire staff is different. Um, yep. they, I mean, we're talking like 15 years, I guess. Yeah, it's a long time. Or longer. Actually, I'm not. I think because I'm pretty sure they collapsed and turned into the developer that makes Metro. So this, I'm pretty sure it's yeah, just so, the same name. Um, yeah. So yeah, I believe the the four A games are the developers of Metro. Yeah, four A, right? I think they were founded by people from GSC. Mm. I think yeah, you're right. I think after some of the kind of I don't know what happened back then, but I'm sure some someone bank bankrupt or someone did something that someone didn't like. I want to say it had actually something to do with politics, with how Russia is and Ukraine. I, I, Makes sense. I think I think for a move to Malta or something, I don't, something like that. I remember. Anyway, very different topic. Um, in a statement posted to Twitter, GSC stated, "Quote: Those additional seven months of development I needed to do needed to fulfill our vision and achieve the desired state of the game." Stalker 2 is the biggest project in the history of GSC and it requires thorough testing and polishing, end quote. So it's, um, otherwise it's a pretty standard delay statement. Um, it's just kind of, mm. like, actually they've been relatively quiet with Stalker 2 throughout its development. Like they've had trailers yeah. and stuff, but otherwise I don't think they've said too much. Well, they had the, they had the whole fiasco with NFTs. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> Where, like, you know, you could buy an NFT and then you could actually be in the game, like, as an NPC. Yeah, you, you, could, be, you could be part of the metaverse. That's right. Yeah, and, and people did not like that. No. And and they kind of sent out a very passive-aggressive, like, oh, you know, we 
you know, we could be making money helping the development, but, you know, we're going to listen to you and we're going to get rid of it. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Troy Baker's been getting a lot of that kind of heat this week as well. <laughs> but, um, oh, my God. Yeah. So, with Troy Baker, he's spooking an NFT for, I think what's called Voice First or something. It's like... Yeah. It's a company that, like, it's like... um. It's like AI-powered voices in games, right? Like, that's mm. the underlying technology. So, he's basically spooking to, like, fund a company that's going to replace him. Like, yeah. That's one on one level. And number two, NFTs, like, it's still not, um, yeah, it's still not, like, a net positive just yet. Like, I, I'm still no. <laughs> not trusting of NFTs. It's funny. I was like, I was thinking this week with the Baker thing. I'm sure it's because of the Baker thing, but I think it's been true for the last few weeks. It's been like a kind of the, uh, what's the word? Like, it's like the backlash, like the online backlash towards NFT. Like, it feels very loud lately. It feels like every like, yeah. it's like more yeah. and more people are figuring out that it's, a, they're really dumb. Like, it's a really bad idea. <laughs> Like, just because none of it, like, the more you learn about it, the less sense it makes. And, like, I think, like, that's part of, it's true of the game industry as well. It's like, I remember seeing a lot of, you know, Doom posting about, you know, it's like, oh, NFTs are going to affect game, the game industry. And it, uh, it has, but not to the, the, to the extent that people are expecting to, like, replace microtransactions and stuff. And it's just, like, yeah. the more I think, like, the more people, like, learn about it and, like, or just hear about it over and over, I guess. As well. like, I think it's just making people angrier. It's like, oh, it's again, more NFTs. Yeah, because, like, like, I mean, like, if we think about it, like, all games now are NFTs, right? In terms of you pay for a license, and that license is unique to your account. Yeah, um, kind In of. a way, like, like it, it's like that whole concept of, okay, you you own, you become the exclusive, the, the difference there is that you become the exclusive owner of something, so imagine a DLC that no one else could buy or that there were only limited copies of. Like, they kind of exist, but the NF- the whole idea of like, okay, now these things that are within games or like, you know, limited editions of things, now we're going to make them into like a way to raise funding or a way to kind of spook things. It's 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 a very shady... Mm. Um, like, it's, it comes from a very shady part of the internet. Yeah, and I feel like yeah. the type of people who spook it aren't the type of people that I want to associate with. Yeah, they just seem like really annoying bros. It feels like currently the industry is accelerating on both sides. Like, so like people are learning more about it and being really outspoken about yeah. how much they don't like it, and like also being outspoken about you know, um, like highlighting the like actual true information about how they work, which a lot mm-hmm. like a lot of people just weren't aware of it for so long because people who yeah. are trying to push it are trying to keep that information from getting out there and they're trying to like be really loud about it like louder and louder about it to try and get more money off it fast before it all kind of collapses yeah 100 percent. I, I don't think we should go a bit too long like about this but like i want to mention as anyway. well it's like i met i watched like, there was this beanie baby documentary that came out in the last month that i watched it's what yeah but it's like it basically covers that <laughs> phenomenon of beanie babies in the 90s and it's like watching yeah. it the whole time. It's like it's incredible how similar it is to NFTs. It's like literally the exact same process because you know, it's people attaching value to something that doesn't actually have value, and like trying to argue to all these other people it has value now. 
which is kind of like how crypto work, except I think crypto has a little more utility, but I also don't know a ton about that either. I also know NFT is like, makes far less sense. <laughs> and it makes as much sense as mm. buying Beanie Babies for high amounts of money it does. Yeah, like, I mean, essentially the way it works is like traditional currency is what we call promissory currency, right? I promise that this piece of plastic in my hand is worth this much um, this amount and you're just basing it all on promise like the actual you know like the actual value of the physical like the coin you have in your hand is probably worth less than what the coin is but you know it's just the whole promise of i know it's going to have a certain value and that all the financial institutions in the world are going to recognize this value and and like the the whole idea of a cryptocurrency is like saying okay well let's take it away from control of these centralized banks and centralized institutions and just make it something that you can't control which is like a, a very complex mathematical situation that is basically like a digital ledger and so like that's why they say the blockchain's traceable and it's secure blah 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 is because every transaction that's ever happened is recorded in in this digital ledger which we call the blockchain and it's like it's meant to be infallible, whereas like, you know, records can be fudged and things like that can happen and blah, blah, blah. And so like you've taken that whole principle of like, you know, putting the control back in the user's hands and now applying it to like a digital asset. And you're like, hey, 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 let's, um, this is worth this. this is worth, oh, you're crazy for not getting involved in it. You kind of artificially generate hype around it, cash and then cash out just before the bubble bursts. Yeah. And I think that's what that Beanie Babies documentary sounds like it was saying. Yeah. Is what happened. <laughs> yeah, except like at least that one had more um wasn't as malicious. <laughs> it was just kind of dumb yeah, yeah. in that case. It um, was more like a fad of like yeah, a toy fad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but NFT is like, you know, very much a intentionally created uh yeah. well, you know, they're trying to make gambling. something. Yeah, yeah. It's like gambling now. It's like um, you know, like that's I guess you know, you hear about like, you know, the crypto millionaires, but think about all the other crypto people who lost so much money. Like you don't hear about them. So that's yeah. any anyway. Anyway, let's not yeah, that's, let's not talk about Konami or anything like that. Um, <laughs> I guess this uh, this final story, I guess from my point of view, isn't very good news. But I guess you've played more Pokemon than me, so maybe you might find this more interesting. Is we actually got an extended look at Pokemon Legends uh, Arceus Arceus. I think it's Arceus. I guess the but I'm not Arceus. Super sure. Yeah, so it's. <laughs> It's like kind of the pseudo open world take on Pokemon, like a 3D Pokemon game. So essentially, uh, Nintendo, uh, so the the Pokemon Channel released an English version of a gameplay trailer from a couple of weeks ago that was all in Japanese. Essentially, what it does is kind of summarizes, uh, you know, what the game's about and introduces some new things. So one of the things confirms is that game takes place in an area called Hisui. So this Hisui region has got uh, a few different environments. You know, we've seen snowy environments, green fields and meadows, more foresty areas. Uh, we've seen like open seas and then river areas. So it, it's cool seeing like all the different type of Pokemon that like kind of inhabit these different types of zones. And it's it's cool to see it come come alive in a 3D world instead of sprites. Or instead of like kind of like the 2.5D of like the DS games. Yeah, it's like one thing that... Uh, 3DS games, sorry. Yes, like it's... um, It reminds me of why Pokemon Snap appeals to me so much. Yeah. Like, because I still haven't played any of those games. But like seeing footage of them, it's like, I really want it because I want to see like Pokemon in an ecological 
perspective you know like i want to see how they live in the world and environment because the games so rarely care about showing that in any real way Mm. you only like see like you know descriptions like pokemon descriptions or item descriptions or stuff like that and it's like um i like that this game seems to at least be putting more focus into that which i find very at the very least really cute (laughs) so yeah yeah no it's it's cool um like you like you you, uh, like Pokemon exists in the world and they're kind of walking around doing their thing. So one of the things that was really talked about is that, you know, you can actually come up and surprise them. That'll get you like an extra, like, you know, extra turn against them when it comes to the battles. Or like, you know, some Pokemon, for example, you can just chuck a Pokeball at them and they're just going to get captured. Whereas other ones, uh, you have to actually fight, whittle them down um, and then capture them like a traditional Pokemon kind of uh, like traditional Pokemon style and like in the game like item crafting and collecting resources was, were things that were pointed out in the gameplay uh, like video I guess I don't know maybe they they looked at open modern open world games looked at all the crafting and everything they're like okay so that's what we need yeah because I think like because I think people had figured it out from like earlier but i think what makes it clear this time well actually i don't think i'm not sure if it did go through it too deeply but basically the structure of the game is like monster hunter where you kind Mm. of have a base and you get missions and then you go off to specific maps yeah um like you know separate maps to like scavenge stuff or you know um Mm. hunt or what you call <laughs> like catch Pokemon yeah. and yeah, like you're basically yeah. doing the same like gameplay loop for Monster Hunter, just Pokemon, which is honestly not a bad mm. take on how Pokemon works. Because like one thing I liked yeah. about it was uh, like you're saying like how you can like sneak up on Pokemon to catch them or you mm. had to battle them. Like something that Pokemon could have used a while ago is just kind of more variance in its like gameplay moment to moment stuff. So like adding like even just that something simple like that where. Pokemon have to be approached differently depending on what they are rather than just being stronger or less strong um, yeah. is at the very least just like a nice change up of the norm. Like it's trying to give them a bit of personality and like individuality mm. and, and I guess like one of the ways that this game kind of differentiates itself is that there are two types of like there are two types of um, new Pokemon in this uh, um, and one of them is alpha Pokemon essentially like stronger versions of specific pokemon i guess they're not mega evolutions like i think they're just a normal pokemon they just have like stronger attributes and um there's also noble pokemon and these are pokemon that actually require a lot more effort to capture them so not only are they stronger than normal pokemon but they like they seem to be suffering from some sort of neuroses and you have to like kind of like throw these things called bombs you throw them at them it debuffs them and then you can enter a traditional Pokemon battle. Yeah, so it's, and then you kind of do that over kind of and like over again. <laughs> like you, yeah. you do the bomb thing, which looks very boring to me, to be honest. It doesn't look very fun. Um, from the <laughs> gameplay clip I showed, you just you kind of yeah. chip it away at them for like a minute straight while dodging, and then you get into a Pokemon yeah. battle, and then you kind of do it again like a few more times. So yeah. hopefully they actually funner in action because <laughs> it didn't look great yeah. in the trailer. <laughs> And like the 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 whole idea of the alpha Pokemon is that it's it's designed to really exercise the new stance system in the game and the way the, the sorry the the styles of the game. So there's there's two new styles. Well, I guess there's three styles in the way you you fight. There's the normal style, which is what we all know. 
strong style, which uh, strong style and agile style. So strong style, uh, they're more based on doing more damage, whereas uh, agile styles are more on like you know dodging attacks, evading, confusing things like that. So these these um, moves will actually draw from your your powerpoints, your PP. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so they'll actually use up like think of them as like attacks in a in a JRPG that use mana versus your standard attacks. So that's kind of like I think the way that this game is kind of trying to spice up combat and make it a bit more like strategic. Hmm. Um like you know and and that's where the alpha pokemon will really require players to make use of the two types of styles to to really take them on. Now how in depth the system is going to be and how much strategy is actually involved i think that's going to be you know something that we need to find out because from everything that i've seen it seems like it still seems very geared to like kids and like very simple gameplay mm. yeah it's like it's not mm. um i wouldn't be i'd be surprised if it's like significantly harder so much as it's easier to die if you or like fail if you walk somewhere you're not really prepared for which is honestly a yep. big change already because the games usually don't really <laughs> let you get that far regardless. So it's like, yep. um, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's like, it's nice to see these changes, even though the game itself feels rougher than I'd like just from what they've shown. I'm still kind of shocked at yep. how rough it looks ge- graphically because I like, 100%. I'm willing to give like, I like the art style generally. Like I like the character designs and I like what they're going for, but like it, it reminds me so much of like a very, like, like a, you know, Oh, it's, it's a mean comparison, but you know, like those Steam asset flips. It feels a bit like that, where the trees look exactly the same. <laughs> the textures are so low quality. Like, you know, when yes. they're like stretched out across like this really flat geometry with yeah. like no detail. And, and the art style can't save it. Yeah, like not not quite at least. Like it's, yeah, yeah. pretty much. Like it can't, and uh, it'll always depend on the person. I feel like most people have been softer on it than I've felt personally, but like um, yeah. at least the comments I've seen. But it's like, I'm still surprised at it where it's like, I understand Game Freak always seem to have, be like really rushing to complete their 3D games. Like they always have a lot of problems, whether it's just frame rate or whatever. Like cause Sword and Shield had similar issues where it's like, yeah. you could really like nitpick its visuals. And I think this wild areas had a very similar look, except these are very, because it's like they're much bigger areas. Yeah, They have a lot of... Um, Oh, what's that term for like jaggies? <laughs> I forgot the term. Uh, aliasing. Aliasing. That's it. Yeah. Um, it has a lot of that. It just looks very, yeah. Just rough is the word I would use. Like it just doesn't look. Yeah, like done. Um, <laughs> like I feel like, like to me as someone who grew up with a Nintendo sixty four, like this game reminds me a lot of a Nintendo sixty four game in terms of the blurry textures, the the low like number of like objects around, and the the draw distance not being too far. Yeah, I think the draw like, distance really, reminds me of older gen stuff a lot, where it's like it has that kind 100%. of like really. If you said it was a GameCube game, I'd believe you, because because like even when you're watching like the ocean travel and everything, it's 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 like looking at Wind Waker, except like not as artful. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like it's there's like yeah. I feel like very flat. Yeah, it's like a, like their games, the 3D games tend to get by through like vibrance. And by being like lower scale enough that it can kind of make thing individual things look good, but now yeah. they kind of don't really have that benefit, and it's really it's not reflecting well on the game. <laughs> yeah, and like the other thing that really ages the game is that there's no voice acting in any of the, the quests. 
yeah, you know what I mean? I, like it's, yeah, I don't, I don't really, yeah. yeah, I can see that being, I don't know, I can see that being like a weird feeling as you're playing it, or it's like there's just kind of this prevailing silence almost, aside from the music. Yeah, but it's like we'll see how that goes because they, they, you know, they don't have much voice acting otherwise or at all. Well, that's the thing. Like, I remember but, I, but I'd expect more from this because this is like this is the major Pokemon. I guess there's like the re-releases coming out, right? Or like Soul Silver or whatever, I think. Hmm? Whatever they are. Oh, because yeah, the I think Diamond yeah, and Pearl ones came out already. Yeah, but then aren't they remaking Silver and Gold? Or like Silver and Crystal? Oh, I don't I know. Like, I didn't hear about that. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like there were like... Like this is the main Pokemon release that we've had in a while. Like you... I And this is a, meant to be a full 3D world. I would... I expect more. Yeah, it's oh well. It's, I mean, yeah. I don't know. I don't honestly. I'm kind of. I have low expectations for Game Freak because they they almost never really impress on a technical level. They never have really, except maybe the DS was probably not. I don't know, <laughs> but it's like yeah. they're always like it's always unsurprising. It's just like it's really starting to catch up to them. It's like yeah, because that's what I was thinking when I watched the trailer originally because it was released a week ago. Or so, um, how. It feels like, because something the Japanese game development industry really suffered from was HD development. Like that really, that like that hit bad. them so much harder than the rest of the world. And like, yeah. it feels like Game Freak, it's like they didn't have to worry about that for a while. So they had a lot of time to prepare for it that. and they still didn't. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's so like, how do you not make that mistake? Like everyone else did, you know, 15 years ago. And and, and that's the thing, like, um, like, if you look at a game, even a game like Xenoblade Chronicles on the Wii, yes, it was a late Wii release, but that hadn't, like, the environments in that, the detail in that, like, far outshines something like this. And and we're talking, like, you know, almost 10 years in the future. Yeah. On two generations newer, or three generations newer hardware. So, it's, yeah, like, Game Freak is definitely, like, I think another developer should have handled this, maybe. Maybe because I, I think there was like there was some stuff about like Monolith helping out yeah. with Game Freaks develop. Although Nintendo and Pokemon aren't actually that linked, so maybe I'm imagine misremembering that one. But it's like you know they they're like um, no, like I think Nintendo model. owns the Pokemon company. I know they own it, but I'm they like sure, they yeah. kind of operate kind of independently. But like um, yeah, like Game Freak, it's like sort of like a HAL laboratory situation where it's like. We trust you to do your own thing. Well, it's like owned by like the Pokemon company as well, right? So it's like Nintendo yeah. like a part share, like part owner or something. Mm. Anyway, my point is that like um, that they've kind of, they've been, they like cut down on the Pokemon decks, you know, like there's fewer Pokemon in each game from now on, seemingly. like, mm. And yeah. they've like, that was, you know, a measure to hopefully cut back on work with Sword and Shield. And they like, I'm pretty sure they put I think either they Somewhere bought or they kind DLC. of the Creature Inc., which is their like this other separate developer that creates Pokemon models or helps create them. I'm pretty sure mm. they like have all of that work now. I don't know. I remember them oh. having taking a bigger role in the development yeah. process. So it's like they've been kind of, and I think um, Game Freak have been expanding slowly over the last few years as a developer, but it's like it just hasn't quite. Like I mean, they're releasing the game like it's going gold, like it's working technically. But I do think it's, you know, the edges are starting to show. <laughs> like it's it's not quite. Yeah. They're not quite keeping up as well as they used to. 
And yeah. yeah. Anyway, because uh, I'm I'm really not that down on it. Like I like all the mechanical changes generally, and I think having a Monster mm. Hunter style structure to the gameplay makes a lot of sense, and it makes yeah. it much more interesting to me. I mean, but, Monster Hunter games are hugely popular, especially in Japan. So yeah, that's true. It's like a sure fight hit, right? Pokemon plus Monster Hunter. Yeah, I mean, hopefully <laughs> we'll see how that goes. But <laughs> that's like, true. Um, but it is on Switch. I'm sure it'll sell incredibly. But it's like. Um, yeah, I don't know. So it really just is the graphics. Like I like a lot of the ideas in it. It's just it's amazing how much the graphics looks like, man, this looks so rough at times. Especially when it has like vistas yeah. and it's like a bunch of like, you know, twelve trees across like this twelve identical trees across this like really generic landscape and it's like, geez, that looks rough. Yeah. But um anyway. I, I would um I would so just say fun fact, um so Creatures Inc. Uh, that company that you talked about just before, like that was actually uh, the company that brought out Mother and Earthbound. All right. Um, and also is responsible for Picross. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. I think Mario's Picross was like the first of that style of like popular game and it was like 1995. So, oh, okay. That's, um, yeah, I thought you might enjoy that. So, uh, <laughs> a little tidbit there. <laughs> Definitely enjoy the Picross mention. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah! <laughs> well, um, yeah. Well, well, that's going to do it for this part of uh, for the news for this week. How about we uh, talk about some of the, uh, I guess, some of the things we've been watching and and playing. Well, I yeah, I'll just go through it in order of as I've written on our notes. So I finished Horizon Zero Dawn yesterday. What did you think? I actually really like the story. Like, I feel like it's one of the more successful stories, like actually presented in an open world game, because most of them have so like so much padding, really? and like they're paced terribly usually. At least that's my memory of most of them that I've played yeah. personally. Um, but this one, it's like actually like you you pad it out as much as you want to, basically. Like you do all the side quests, which are generally not very interesting or good, to be honest. Like they're like they're okay, but they're very forgettable. Um, but you, like you basically <laughs> pad out the story as much as you want to personally. Otherwise, you could just push on with the main story and get like have each beat. Because like a lot of it is just the mystery of the world and how it turned out mm. the way it was. Like why is there robot dinosaurs hunting people? And that's kind of quite the mystery to explain. Um, and like it kind of keeps the mystery there while like actually kind of answering little bits over time and like the largest story of the world itself is not incredibly compelling but it's like well told enough that I'm like oh, okay. you know it's like the main That's part of it rare. yeah kind of I don't know maybe I'm being generous I like the mystery part <laughs> of it though I like the the world it, how, the, how it unravels the world for the player is like more effective yeah. than I expected it to be so I ended up okay. being like That's good. I ended up being more satisfied by it, like on on a story level than I expected to. So I was I was mm. pretty happy with it. Um How, did you start the was it Forbidden West was the like the kind of the snowy Oh uh, Frozen Wilds. No, Forbidden West is a Frozen Wilds and the yeah. Forbidden West is the upcoming game. Yeah. Uh Frozen Wilds was the, the snowy DLC for it. Um did you start that as well? Yeah, I started that today actually. And oh, I'll gotcha. also say that's like just while I'm talking about it. It's like one of the things that was notable with Frozen Wilds that I heard ahead of time was that they upgraded the facial animations that they weren't able to do in time for the base game. 
there actually is like a significant Ooh, wow. upgrade. Like I was expecting it to go like, oh, that's nice. You know, it's like I was expecting it to be like a pretty shallow upgrade that didn't mean much. But it actually like yeah. makes me actually kind of drawn into this dialogue, <laughs> which I was really surprised by. Because like in the main game, it looks like Witcher 3 dialogue, like where you kind of like have characters talking to one another and you kind of like skip through the dialogue as you read it. So yep. it's like it's not, and you mentioned that last week as well. Yeah, exactly. Like it's um, mm. I found the di- like the way the dialogue presented generally, unless it's like an actual cutscene, is like I tend to just focus on the subtitles and just like skip through it as it goes on because <laughs> like it's just nothing's happening on the screen, so I just like folk, I just like oh, gotcha. just read and keep going. But this one is like I've like I barely started it, and it's like oh, this is actually you know compelling. Weirdly, it's you like, can see the you can see the acting happening. Yeah, exactly. I was like I was very surprised gotcha. that the quality shift. Like I wasn't expecting huh. the scope, the scale of it. No, I, I mean, like a, yeah, it's yeah, early days. But is is it like a Naughty Dog level of like acting? Oh, probably not. I don't know. I don't think it's bad, but it's like it, yeah. it's not like incredible. It's not really. I'm not sure if it's striving to be. Oh, so it's it's not like the benchmark that is like Detroit Become Human and every other David Cage game. Well, I, I meant it more as in like compare it to like an Assassin's Creed game uh, or some other open world thing, and it's probably yeah, better. Very, yeah, yep, yeah. Or at I least can, I can see that. Yeah. Um, where it's just kind of like it's smoother and cleaner and actually feels like a yep. single-player game or something than you would expect Got it to you. Yeah, The main game does yep, not yep. feel no. like that at all. <laughs> <laughs> I can I can imagine, I can imagine. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm, I'm glad that you actually enjoyed your time with it because, you know, it, it doesn't sound like it's a short game. So well, I think for an 04 game, it's, enjoy it. it's actually kind of short if you want it to be because I end up spending a fair bit of time on it. But it, it took me a week. I guess of on and off playing. Was it like twenty hours or so? Would you say you put into it? Probably more, to be honest. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know. Most open world games today are so long, and I feel like too long, man. Too long. Yeah. So it felt it, it felt it padded with so much crap. Yeah, and I I went through a lot of that crap for this game, and it still felt short. <laughs> so oh, that's cool. I don't know how that happened, but um, <laughs> yes. But uh, yeah. Uh, what have you been up to? Uh, well, I mean, uh, I guess like. Playing some Halo when I can, still a lot of fun, and some yeah, it's just really solid. Love it. Um, but in terms of you know uh, like playing, not so much. But watching, yes. So uh, I caught up on uh, Boba Fett, uh, the Book of Boba Fett. So finally watched episode two and three. We talked about I think episode one, getting introduced to like the background of you know Boba Fett. Uh, you know, being rescued by the Tuscans or like captured and then rescued. Mm. And then um, I think we're going to spoilers here. Like the second episode, we, we actually learned the backstory about, you know, how he, I guess how he's helped them, helped the Tuscan Raiders and they've taught him their ways and, and how they, like, uh, I'm going to say this, like Boba Fett episode two does a better job of telling a story about like a Dune like story than the Dune movie. So. Okay, I still haven't <laughs> seen Dune, so I can't actually. Yeah, so <laughs> it's still when confusing. you watch the Dune movie, I would be interested in hearing your thoughts about keep. how like the Fremen, are, you know, how their stories told, how they're depicted versus like what's what's told about the Tusken Raiders yeah. um, in Episode Two. But um, yeah, Episode Two is Dancing with the Wolves, starring Boba Fett, and then a lot of gangster much. shit. Which is pretty. I <laughs> space bikies. Yeah. Oh, space pig. That was bikies or like what? What? <laughs> yeah, that was that was silly. I didn't like this for some reason. That scene struck out. I was like, oh, this is this is too much <laughs> for some reason. Yeah, it feels too much. Like episode. Like, 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was just like too referential, like too like. I don't even know what I was referencing yeah, so much as it's like this. Oh yeah, I guess it references as in there's space the bikies like, and yeah, yeah. There's nothing else to them. <laughs> the hogs. <laughs> yeah, it's like um, uh, yeah, yeah. But I, like I found episode two like quite good. Like I remember, like I, I was surprised at how much I enjoyed episode two. I, I really loved two. Yeah, and then episode three kind of shifted back <laughs> to the first one. <laughs> it's like oh yeah, everyone you came to love. Uh, yeah, they're all dead. We just killed them all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was thinking this morning for some reason how like the first episode spends like fifty fifty on flashback, something like that. It's like a, you know, yeah. And then the third, second episode is like I want to say like a more than fifty fifty, like it's more time spent on the Tuscan stuff. I swear it was like eighty percent. Yeah, flashback. it's like a good chunk of it. And then the then the second third one, it's like oh, it's done now. It's like he goes like yeah, he comes back and they're all they dead. And it's like oh, okay, I guess that part of the show is done. <laughs> um, he got what he needed from them and now they're dead now the the fish people have fought back yeah I didn't figure they're out the who they were for ages the pikeys. I remember them oh, coming off the ship with the masks I didn't know who they were until like, like two days later like, oh they were the people on the train I gotcha yeah okay. that took me a while <laughs> yeah and then he recruits like this the the like you know um, no like 1950s like it, it's it's like the, those street thugs oh yeah like really awesome bikes and like <laughs> droid parts and they have that they really dress like they're from like the like california in like the 60s or something like the, the 50s <laughs> yeah they're very it's like well it's like they kind of remind me of like the terminator of like characters in that oh outfit. yeah for <laughs> some reason yeah. um that's like all that 90s clothes but i wasn't paying too much yeah attention. it's like kind of like whenever you see like a cyberpunk like, I guess, yeah, a lot of cyberpunk has, like, okay, these are futuristic, you know, street kids with, like, ripped denim and, oh, but, but their eyeballs are a robot. Like, that's the the only thing they changed. Like, it was so, such a weird Yeah, like, with the, like, lead thing. kid gangster or whatever, they, teen gangster. Yeah, it's like, she has, like, a robot arm. And I didn't notice it for, like, like, the entire episode. I like you. How would you like to work? You work for me now. And they just agree to what they just like. Yeah, it's very... Oh, yeah, this, like I feel like the way the story unfolds in the third episode is pretty rough, generally. I don't, I don't think I was thinking and, about it much, yeah. but like in hindsight... Well, I mean, I definitely wasn't satisfied after I watched it or during, but in hindsight, yeah. it's like there was probably a lot... It just feel, felt very uneven. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, I think it would make more sense if there wasn't the flashbacks. Like... I think why didn't they do the thing where it's like okay the first three episodes are actually like what we see in the flashbacks setting up how did Boba Fett what happened to Boba Fett after episode six and until the Mandalorian instead of doing like telling two stories with flashbacks why not just tell the story you know develop the character here's how he learned to survive on Tatooine with the the Tuscan Raiders here's how he learned to fight here's how he learned their ways and then here's how he's redeemed himself to be their savior and now he has a family that he fights for um and then going to okay now he's rocked up at you know most Isley or whatever like Moses Boza I think is where this one's set like it's a different one of those like um yeah, it's just cantina like towns again, or whatever really. yeah another it's got its own cantina like I think that would have been a better... Like, it would have actually been an arc. Yeah. Whereas, like, he's got this whole character arc in this flashback. And then when you come back to the, the future, he's just... He's he's not developing any further. Like, he's already done all the development rather than developing through the show. Mm. Uh, 
yeah like it's, anyway yeah, that, i can see that being it's just like a uh, weird choice yeah. to me man oh. also this car chase in the third episode oh i got uh, it was uh, the slowest car chase it was like so campy because i, I, I kind of loved it because it was like really yeah. genuinely very funny but it didn't really yeah. f- it felt kind of in on a joke but not quite it was very strange the thing about it is that like um it, it was it was very slapstick. Yeah. And like, oh no, yeah. there's a mirror coming. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, there's a cart full of food. Oh no, this droid is gonna flip around and but it's like um but this the actual chase itself was so slow and <laughs> Yeah. Unbelievable. Like it just Yeah. Yeah, it's like it was hard to yeah, it's it's hard to buy at best. <laughs> it's like it's yeah. it's just, it, yeah, it was, it was just such a strange it was like a genuinely bizarre scene to put in this show otherwise that's been yeah. pretty straight edge like straight laced you know like it's pretty direct it's like it, there is humor but not that much not to the point they'd have an entire action sequence that's basically played yep. for humor <laughs> like played to comedy it's such a weird decision or maybe they i don't know maybe they thought it looked better than it did but everyone else disagreed <laughs> yeah like I, I feel like the place where it falls the the weakest part of boba fett is all the current day stuff i think yeah. that was the well, it's like I like um, the second episode because yeah. you're like you're meeting like those huts and you're meeting like the mayor. I was like <laughs> I was actually kind of drawn into those scenes. I like those. Yeah, but and then like episode three. Oh, we're leaving. Oh, the mayor's gone. Like all those characters are gone. <laughs> yeah, but you have a rancor now. You got that. Yeah, but now we know the rancor is actually very complex creatures, and Danny Trejo trains them. <laughs> uh, like, like yeah, it's not like, everything we thought about Boba Fett is like flipped on its head like he's actually a kind person he's going to lead with like you know respect and compassion and stuff like that but it's like that's not the Boba Fett like the Boba Fett of the original trilogy versus the Boba Fett of like the prequel trilogy and now is very very different I'm not even like, sure we could say it different because like we barely even knew that guy but it's like we definitely yeah. it definitely feels like I'd like because I have no affection for Boba Fett to be honest like I don't I do not care yeah, that much me neither but it's like it's not um, it doesn't really feel like when you think of a Boba Fett show, you think of something a little darker, not that much darker yeah. compared to normal Star Wars, but a little bit because you're following a bounty hunter yeah. who is known for being a very good bounty hunter, which you would assume would be yeah. pretty calculated and cold. And it doesn't. It's funny how much it doesn't have those qualities. Yeah, and and I think that's the thing. Like, um, I think maybe that's where Episode Two was meant to like kind of show him softening up now that he has people that he cares for mm. but it's like oh but they're but they're all dead now like they couldn't even save a few of them and then yeah you know he he runs back and he sees like you know a few of them there and, and one of them dies in his arms there's not even that it's just oh they're just all dead yeah yeah it's like oh okay i <laughs> guess they're not showing up at the end to save the day Though, like yeah. I saw, I saw people saying that I guess the the champion doesn't seem to be dead. Like the one who was like running th- into through the train in the second episode. Yeah, the one who taught him how to fight. Yeah, I saw someone saying that it's like apparently she wasn't. Yeah, I don't the, think. Yeah, she was. So she'll either. probably yeah, be the right. one to come save the day at the end. Who knows? Maybe. Yeah, alongside maybe. the and um, yeah, alongside the black Wookiee, who's honestly very cool. Yeah, looking, but <laughs> he, he does look cool, yeah. and he he, but but it's like. Uh, I don't get that bathtub thing, man. It seems so like he's he's okay. He's got a scuba mask on, right? But his it's covering his mouth, but his nose is completely exposed, or the or the other way around. Like it doesn't make sense. Like 
<laughs> like it's just silly things like this like that is ah like I don't care what world you're in you, a mask is a mask <laughs> yeah I guess <laughs> I, th- I think I was like, like I was actually yeah. more annoyed at how much they didn't explain it unless was it in Mandalorian yeah. or did, have, did it just not I think back to I think it's just like healing I think that's all you need to know uh, is that it heals yeah no it's a healing tank that's all you gotta know I, I feel like it's mentioned but not shown yeah I was, like, I was thinking like did it was it like a thing in Mandalorian because I really forgot a lot of season 2 and I don't <laughs> I don't yeah, remember it being I, much. I, of I don't think it was in Mandalorian, but I think it might have been in like Star Wars Episode Three. Like they put Anakin into one at the end or something. Like, okay. I, I, I don't think it's really something that's like been explored. Yeah, like, like I'm not sure. I would actually. I don't want like an origin movie for the Bank to Tank, but like, <laughs> you, you mean you don't want a Han Solo explaining every single like other object? <laughs> yeah, with CGI. That's what that Solo, movie. That yeah. that movie was just an explanation of his gun. The Millennium Falcon, the the dice, and his name. Like, what? Yeah. But I think it's like, it feels like central to the story. The the, the fact that Boba needs to get in the tank every day. And he doesn't, he needs yeah. it to live. And it feels like such a big thing. I like to, like such is a, that what it is? I thought it was. I thought it, it feels like such a big part of his life to like, not really be discussed beyond I'm getting back in the tank. <laughs> yeah, like... Yeah, like, uh, I didn't, I guess I didn't see it as, like, a healing thing. Like, I guess, like, he's, like, full-on fully scarred in the flashbacks, and then he's, like, almost spotless in this, like, in the modern day. So, clearly, you spent a lot of time there, but I guess I just pictured that as, like, oh, yeah, I'm going back to the tank. Like, as in, like, he's just, that's just where he naps. That's just (laughs) how he sleeps at night. Yeah, I can see that. (laughs) It's, like, another wrinkle to Boba Fett's legacy is he needs a to sleep in water i guess oh is that actually that would kind of explain yeah. the his childhood a little bit i guess connect back to it a bit yeah and like and and like i don't know why his suit has got like that digital readout on the front like oh. it's, it's it's got like oh, the yeah. red glowy right. lights and stuff i'm like i don't th- i feel like um the warren the warden or whoever was in mandalorian season two who had the boba fett armor i feel like that wasn't active but you know i could be remembering wrong it's it's been a while I think all the other Mandalorians had like just like the main ones, whatever the main guys called a Mandalorian. <laughs> Mando's one, where it's like you know just kind of like silver plate. Uh, yeah. like, I thought it was Dinjarin. Is his name? I think Dinjarin. Oh, okay. Yeah, I immediately forgot it when they said it. <laughs> um, He's just Mando. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, that's a long time on Boba Fett. Should we still talk about Eternals <laughs> and stuff or no? Yeah, well, we both uh, watched it. I think that's probably going to be okay. We both watch Eternals because it came to Disney Plus because none of us thought that it was worth paying to watch in cinemas, which is a, a pretty big indictment for a modern Marvel movie. I feel like I even watched Black Widow in theaters. I, I think I enjoyed that and stuff. Hmm. Well, what what did you think about this? I liked it more than I expected to. Um, I, di- I didn't think it was bad. Like, I actually thought it was quite a bit better than, I, than I've heard it was. But yeah. I don't know. I find myself disagreeing with the consensus on movies more often than not nowadays when it comes to like these bigger yeah. blockbusters. Like I tend to be more easily satisfied by what I'm yeah. getting when it comes to like, you know, it's Marvel. Yeah. It's like, I don't, I don't care that strongly. And this one clearly was more ambitious than most. I will say the only, the yeah. only thing that I found like a genuine flaw of it was how much, how little chemistry Icarus and Cer- Cersei had. 
I find their relationship like what completely. Chemistry, man. That's what I mean. It's like it was like they had like nothing. And it's like, I was yeah. really shocked. Like that one, I felt like that part of it hurts the film overall. Not in a huge way, but yeah. like it's a big part of it. Um, and, and like, it's, yeah, like it, it, I'm not who you think I am. Like, I'm sorry I've ran off for like 500 years. Like, like yeah. what, where the fuck were you? Why? <laughs> like he, they had the whole thing of like, I'm not who you think I am. It's like. No, you are who you think you. You are exactly what we think you are. You just your motivations changed. <laughs> like yeah. I thought there was going to be a big reveal that he's actually a deviant. Um, oh, I actually liked the reasoning a bit. It just didn't really land without being invested in him. <laughs> to me, I like the idea. Yeah, that like he he he's got the idea of like I'm a soldier. I've been all I know is to fight, and then when you take away my cause, like my whole existence is questioned so therefore i can't let that happen i think there was kind of well i think the reason is like he couldn't stand to be around cersei while like i guess implicitly lying to her by not telling her yeah about this like big secret that he was revealed to hold um yeah so like that was my read of it but it's like oh that was another quality it's like um i was surprised at how much i was into most of the characters because I remember hearing that was like a flaw of it or that people didn't like about it was like they thought the, a lot of the cast was underbaked and I thought like most of them were pretty good actually personally yeah like uh, I think the only character that had any sort of development I think is Sprite yeah that's probably true yeah deve- like, in terms of development it, like, yeah, yeah you're probably right like if you think of like their state of where they started to where they ended like Cersei's kind of still the same she's still the reluctant um, she's just reluctant. She's just reluctant. Like she just sucks. Like uh, Icarus is just like he just seems like th- he's just Superman. You know, he he he's basically Superman, right? And they, how funny is it that they actually say call him Clark Kent and say, "Oh, what do you do? You think you're Superman now?" Like, how weird is that? Did you well, find that weird? Oh, uh, kind of. It actually makes it reminds me of how in the comics, Canon, the other universe, like. In DC Universe, Marvel is the comic books of DC and vice versa. Gotcha. That made me kind of think of that a little bit. That's probably what that was. Uh, that's that's kind of the idea I got. It's yeah. like like all the character like like with um like uh, like Faustian or whatever, like you know like I like how they were like uh you know, Gilgamesh. The story of Gilgamesh is based on this guy. He punches things. Athena. Athena is based on her. A lot of like any god of goddess of war you've seen in like ancient Rome and stuff or whatever like is based on her and and things like like I like how they kind of try to like they try to forest gump their way into history <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I actually I would say I, I'm not actually that interested in that part of, it, of the movie for some reason yeah. now that I think about it <laughs> I'm not sure my, my wife was not having any of this movie she's like and like because like she says like this is just how is this any better than doing like this is just like taking the stereotypes of each culture and she's like these people like like this this is not how Bollywood is and like you know like oh of course he's a Bollywood guy <laughs> yeah, I was actually thinking <laughs> like when I had, had that opening scene with him dancing and I was like man he's bad yeah. at this <laughs> I was like, it's like he, yeah you can tell he's really bad at it like, I was like I was thinking it's like um, man you think you'd like you'd think you'd try and make this better if you're trying to say this is a big Bollywood thing because like I have not seen yeah. Bollywood stuff and I'm pretty sure it's way better than that oh 100% and the thing is like they didn't <laughs> like the whole like okay we didn't make any of these actors do accents they don't already have 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, no one did a different accent. No one, I felt like, kind of embodied a character besides Sprite. Like, you could really... Like, Sprite's, like, kind of... I think her development was probably the most, like... The pain of never being able to feel, right? Mm. That's a very powerful message. Yeah. And giving up, you know, the Im- immortality of being essentially a god to feel human things like love and longing and growth... Um, whereas, like, okay, so Fast, like, he's he he was the, like the Brian Michael Tyree character. He was like, uh, essentially, like, a, a s- he 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 was the gay African American father. Like, I guess African American, but not really African American because he's yeah. an Olympian. Like, so are all Eternals designed to look like humans, or is it that? whenever they're redeployed in each planet, they take on the appearance of the planet's inhabitants. You know? I feel I feel like there's some, like, deep lore version, lore reason in the comics, but I have no idea. Yeah. I guess it's something to do and with Celestials like, making yeah. humanity, probably. And that's the thing. Like, the whole point is, like... Uh, like, I think this movie was very, like... This was a very DC-like movie where it tried to do too much setup in one movie. Yeah, I I don't think it was like impossible because I reminded me it reminded me like that's why I brought up the cast. Which in hindsight, yeah, you're totally right about them lacking progression <laughs> development. I mean, it's like yeah, you're totally mm. right about that. Um, but it's like it reminds me how a lot of people are saying it's like I feel like people are kind of infected by the idea of Avengers needing individual movies for every character. When it's like there's plenty yeah. of movies that has ensembles and works fine. Like, but it's like this yeah. movie just didn't do as great a job with it as others have. Yeah, like, I, there was, like, no impact here. Like, I feel like it was a very rushed movie. I found it very rushed in terms of... They could have actually fleshed it out and, you know, like, Icarus's torment. Like, but the thing is, like, he's only n- known for, like, 50 years. Like, he hasn't... It's not like he's known for hundreds of years. Oh, no, he... No, actually... No, he did find out. She told him at Babylon, like, after Yeah, like, 500 Babylon. years ago. It was... Yeah, yeah. it's like, and it's like we didn't have any like. Imagine five hundred years of that truth torturing you, right? Like there definitely could have been, you know, something talking about that. You know, even scenes showing him struggling, like when he knows that he could help humans, but you you know things like that, like Mm. Druig, like he, like, uh, uh, I don't know, like it's just it. It's one of those movies where everything was too convenient. Yeah, I can see that. It's like, I think and, it's like, uh, um, yeah. yeah, like I think you're right about it being too, like I'm not sure, I think it was kind of already a long movie, right? Like it was around, probably around two and a half hours or so. It was probably about that already. Yeah. But it's like, it definitely seems like a movie that could have used more, um, yeah, more dramatic scenes, like performance, you know, yeah. centric scenes to really like flesh out individual motivations and feelings. And because, um, yeah, yeah, because that was something I think I, I'm not sure I mentioned it last time. Was like how I said I watched the Raimi Spider-Man movies again, and like yeah. that's one thing that stands out in those movies is how much time it dedicates to character interactions. You know, like character drama. Yeah, it's like you can have Rather whatever opinion action. you want on it. You know, but it's like uh, there's like action scenes are like two minutes long in those movies. It's amazing. <laughs> they're so short, but they're like hit hard mm. and like they have like a clear point. And I remind like I was when I was watching them, I was thinking like, oh, that like this is so much nicer to have like. Characters I'm invested in talking to one another in a way that I'm yeah. invested in, I'm compelled in, compelled by. Like, and then, like, and action scenes that don't outlast their welcome. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But, like, I was like, I remember thinking when I were watching it, 
I was thinking, I was like, oh, actually, like, I wish more of the movies were a bit like this, where it felt more invested in the characters than Marvel movies typically are. Yeah. But I feel like this was trying to invest in the characters, but, like, you didn't really care. Like, I feel like we didn't see enough of... You, you just see, like, okay, 500 years ago, they changed their mind. <laughs> and then now. <laughs> yeah. And nothing of the torture, the torment, the growth that they've experienced. So I think they could have they could have easily dedicated, you know, like, you know, ten minutes for each character to delve into their own personal journeys. Mm. Right. And be like, you know, you know, what was it like when um Brian Michael Te- uh, like Henry's character, Brian Tyree Henry, whatever his name is, sorry. <laughs> um the, the 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 conspiracy guy from Pacific from uh Pacific Rim two. So <laughs> it was Pacific Rim Two or something, right? That's the credit anyway, you gave him. Um, he's from Atlanta, though. Oh no, he was it was uh, King Kong. I think he was like the the oh yeah, that's right. Kong. I think yeah. he was like the conspiracy guy, yeah, though, was, right? Yeah. So okay, like what about ten minutes talking about when he fell in love, and or like you know you know how we had the thing at Hiroshima, right? Mm. Right, like that's a pretty that's a pretty powerful image of like you know my technology caused this. I caused the destruction of this planet. And now, what? why didn't we have, like, you know, him, like, going through years, seeing, like, him unraveling, his mind unraveling, and then when he falls in love and marries his husband, then finding the humanity, the goodness in humanity, right? Yeah. Like, like- it's talked about, they talk about it, but they never show it. And I wish they showed it and not talked about it. I- it's the same thing with Ajax. Yeah, I think I think a lot of it. When you describe it like that, it makes me think that they probably were relying more on the actors to do a lot of the heavy lifting there. Because like I personally yeah. did feel like I felt invested in that character. I think because a lot of it was the performance side of it. Like I felt you know yeah. and like and that was like on the flip side, I felt no nothing for Icarus because he felt so empty. Like that character had nothing. And that character is very uh, stoic. Cersei by design. had nothing. Yeah, like that character. Like I did. I wasn't. I was okay with Cersei for some reason, but I wouldn't like disagree with your take on her <laughs> but it's like uh like icarus just stood out to me as very like i don't know just like because like that character is meant to be very stoic and like stony but it, like not very yeah. yeah it just didn't really didn't really have the charisma to really like draw no, he was very more. robotic and yeah like you you can't have a charismatic villain like he could have totally been like you know he could have been the heel turn and like you know, like he could have definitely had hints and stuff like that, rather than just like I'm robotic, we go along with the plan, and then I'm robotic, we don't go along with the plan. Like, <laughs> oh no, I made mistake, must fly into sun. Like, yeah, that part was la- I was laughing hard <laughs> at that part. <laughs> Why did he have to do that? What? Yeah, yeah it's very. Like, yeah. He, like he, he, I think it would have been a more powerful moment saying like. You know, Icarus, for the past 500 years, you've stayed away. You know, you've been away from us, blah, blah, blah. And then imagine Cersei said to him, like, I can't look at you. You know, you need to spend the next... You need to dedicate your life to atone for what you've done. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that would have been make. a much cooler, um, like, redemptive arc. Like, you know, yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like there, there was... There's potential there for you to give a shit more than what what they were given. And the thing is, like, Sprite and the 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 forced Faust character, like, they had the most 
like kind of range of emotions like they showed the most kind of humanity so to speak but everyone else was like kind of forgettable yeah yeah i'd agree that's like yeah it's like hard to it's hard to imagine remembering most of this cast i think oh well, well, that's the I problem will, bro. i'll say as well yeah. it's like i um, i was surprised at how how i kind of liked the black knight character even though he was like so unnecessary to the movie <laughs> like cersei's yeah, boyfriend like, i was surprised at how much i ended up liking his performance as him as like an <laughs> intro to him uh, you mean um john snow kissing cersei yeah that's stuff but it's like, <laughs> it's like I, which is weird <laughs> but it's like um yeah it's like i remember like oh yeah i just wanted to mention him it's like because he's like a thing in this movie and like he feels yeah. very unnecessary like yeah it's like as much as I actually didn't mind him, he adds nothing to the film. If anything, he just takes up time. They could have used it elsewhere. I, like, exactly. Like, I, um... The funny thing is, like, I only just finished the movie just before we started recording. So, we got through the movie, and then, you know, the, like, at the end where they're, like, you know, the come down scene in all Marvel films where they're, like, just talking. They're walking and talking, right? Yeah. Uh, apparently, I had st- we just stopped watching it there, and then that's it. We didn't even... And I didn't even... Because I was, like, looking up... Um, Moon Knight and then it was like talking about Black Knight blah 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 I'm like Black Knight where was there a Black Knight in Eternals and I was like oh you know the mid credit scene I'm like where was that scene and that's when I went back and I realised I hadn't finished Eternals oh okay <laughs> okay yeah so there's like a yeah there's like an end stinger but yeah there's two of them yeah. there's one in the, the middle two and stingers, one at the end yeah, yeah. Um, at the so end so one of them is that Dane like Kid Harrington's character I think his name's Dane something yeah I don't remember like he alludes <laughs> to the fact that his his family's got a complicated history, and what we find out is that um, his his family actually has possession of the Ebony Blade, which is a blade that has immense power and gives immense power to the wielder. But what it does is taps into the the bloodlust and vengeance kind of within its wielder, and eventually drives them insane. Right, that's kind okay. of the. Because I was like, that's I was kind so- of the the idea of it. Yeah, because I read the first or like a couple of the issues of like the most recent comic series he was part of mm. but i didn't realize about the insane part actually <laughs> i didn't oh uh, yeah yeah it's he's like he's it, kind of a, like a yeah. he's like a you know pretty c b level kind of hero is like someone you'd wouldn't not like you really wouldn't have yeah you'd have to go out of your way to learn about him um yeah because like if you had no context for that you would just think oh why is this why is he making a big deal about this sword covered in bandages oh that was another thing though it's like the way the sword of presented yeah. reminded me of like the um because in the comics lately there's a thing called oh not lately like five years ago like the venom mythos is like mm. connected to thor's cosmic level stuff with something called the okay. necro sword which will be in the next one anyway the re- the way it worked uh i won't be able to explain it accurately basically venom comes from this like um from the necro sword and or like from the wielder of the gotcha. necro sword so i was wondering if they were kind of merging the two they were gonna have like the venom sword because that's you remember okay, because, gotcha, oh yeah gotcha. you didn't see it yeah because it did right? kind of move around you you do see that yeah uh, and then um blade talks to him at the end seemingly um <laughs> yeah <laughs> so lots of lots of uh are you sure you want to do that that's like oh, oh, oh what what'd you get in here <laughs> yeah so lots of crossovers lots of yeah. yeah, but you wouldn't know it's Blade. You just hear, oh, it's Mahershala Ali. Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't have heard it. I would. I don't think I would have figured it out either. Like, is I he heard, Nick Fury Jr. or is he something else? <laughs> but it's like, yeah, it's like I watched like the Blade movies kind of recently, like like the other week. <laughs> I, I haven't seen them. I've got to watch them. Oh, really? I really like the first yeah. one. Second one's 
kind of the same movie but sci-fi yeah it, it'll be easy to explain if you watch it um i haven't seen the third <laughs> one at all i like that for, yeah anyway i'm kind of interested to see how they do blade but we can talk about that another time i think <laughs> it's yeah. a while now. well how about we did you see the the trailer for moon knight yes yeah i saw that i was maybe we'll cap it off and then we'll we'll, we'll talk about suicide squad and um peacemaker uh, peacemaker next week because uh yeah, like the Moon Knight trailer just dropped at the time of us recording. Um, essentially, Oscar Isaac is playing, I guess, a guy named Stan Grant, uh, who's slash was it Mark Spector? That sounds so. Right. Uh, who's the um, like? Essentially, he's like he works at a gift shop at a museum in London, I think it is, and essentially, like he's he can't sleep, he hears voices, but what it turns out to be is like his his alter ego which is mark specter who was like a a hired mercenary in in the comic books apparently like he was left for dead in egypt and then he was rescued like he was basically revived by an egyptian god and the egyptian god's like okay i'm gonna give you this power bring you back to life but you must now become a fight you, you must now fight for peace like that's your like your debt to me that's the comic book apparently like background to it okay um I've yeah, I've so only that, read um one yeah. of the com- <laughs> I read one of the one comic that's like really action centric and has no lore to it, <laughs> so I don't know much about Moon Knight. Um, yeah, and, and so that's like kind of the 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 context for this, and it's like oh, I was reading like articles like everyone's just like roasting his accent. Yeah, I saw that. I was like, I was like, I was surprised. Not in that I know British accents, but I was like surprised that yeah. it stood out to people. But like, um, what was it? Uh, yeah, I was like, I was like, I'm very, I'm ho- hopefully the final product is as trippy, trippy and kind of invent- eccentric sort of as this trailer seemed to present it as, because I was pretty intrigued yeah. by it. Like, it's kind of what I hoped, it's what I keep hoping these shows to be, and then not quite getting there, in my opinion. You know, like, like do you think? Yeah, sorry, you, sorry, oh, continue. Okay, because I was like, I like Wonder Vision started great, generally, and is generally great, but it ends in such a like normal Marvel fashion. And, like, yeah. it ends up kind of forgiving Wanda in story so much that I just kind of bounced off it pretty hard at the end. Then Loki ends up... Yeah, we talked about this last week. Loki ends up... I thought yeah. Loki started strong, but it ends up kind of getting into the normal Marvel formula pretty yeah. quick. Um, and it's like, that's kind of what... It, considering I, Oscar Isaac is involved, I'm hoping the overall story is pretty strong and, like, kind of consistently yeah. um, compelling. I th- I think I'm I'm expecting Daredevil, but I'm getting Jessica Jones, or I'm getting something. I don't know. I'm I'm getting something like disappointing. I'm getting something rote. Yeah. Um. Oh, about Moon Knight or something else. Well, like just these shows in general. Oh like, yeah. Yeah. Um. Like I'm still watching Hawkeye, but um. There's nothing compelling making me want to watch it. Yeah, I can see that with that show. Yeah, it's not the most. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like oh, like this is a fun kind of like this could have been a Ninja Turtles movie or like this could have been a just a generic, um, you know, like any 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 former assassin, some young kid picks up your identity and now you're gonna deal with the consequences of that, right? Hmm. Like this this could have been any type of story like that, like but maybe it gets better. Like you mentioned that it ends like in a stronger way than you, than other shows in, in, in Marvel. Yeah. I, I will. So that's why I'm I will, holding out. Yeah. Okay. I will say with Hawkeye, I guess just as a tension, if you're not digging it that much, a few episodes in, you, the ending probably won't change your mind much. I just found it was gotcha. a more 
satisfying ending than the shows usually have because they always is that a more grounded story yeah pretty much like it just kind of st- it keeps it you know stays the line the entire time which is enough for me largely <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah nah, fair enough well you know what i like i think we're both looking forward to it i'm always a sucker for more action i i hope that like it's got some of that really nice like it looks like there's some like good fight scenes in it coming up yeah hopefully. I, I hope that it's more like daredevil than like you know mortal Kombat, where it's like <laughs> cuts away from all the hits and everything oh i see <laughs> i was yeah, thinking it's like yeah. wow those compare um yeah yeah it's like i was uh, what was it i was watching yeah anyway that, that's been on my mind as well as like you know hastily cut action scenes i feel like they're more common yeah. than ever and that's frustrating exactly like for every john wick there's like everything else and like and even john wick isn't that yeah it's not a lot different as impactful as like hong kong you know martial arts films and stuff yeah. right like they did action really well yeah it's just that the director who did those movies kind of has a better eye for what makes good action and that so seems to yeah. be so rare which is a shame yeah especially with these exactly. shows that have so much action in it you'd think they'd put you know they'll try to make it a bit more I don't know. Most people seem to be okay with it. I don't know. I'm not sure how much people but care my, about it. My main concern is that, like, um, like the director of this show is like someone who's like directed like, I guess like, only like a couple of films before, and they were like kind of like serious films, like drama films. Yeah. So, like, I I can picture like you know he might know how to direct drama very well, but then he wouldn't know how to do action, and then it yeah. just becomes like action just becomes a tick box rather than something that actually is like a like a, a showpiece. Yeah. That's the difference between this and Daredevil, I think. Mm. Like of Marvel now versus Daredevil. Yeah, I think like with a lot of these these certain directors who don't come from like, you know, hasn't don't have a background yet in like big productions, they tend to like pass off the action duties to the studio itself, I think. Or like or you know, like a lot yeah. of the Or like an assistant director or someone else who Yeah. I don't know. Or at least yeah. they guide things. I, I you know, it's I can't I haven't been there, so I can't, you know, so we yeah. can't say how much that's true at all, but that's, that's what I understand with the small directors who don't have much experience with this kind of stuff. So it's, yeah. Um, but yeah, hopefully Moon Knight's better. <laughs> I'd like, <laughs> at, at the very least, Oscar Isaac's such a great actor. I, I enjoy him a lot that I was like, I'm excited to see how it turns out just for the acting, you know? And I mean, he's got a very awesome track record with Marvel. So we, we've got that to look forward to. <laughs> Does he? What do I think? What do I think? <laughs> Uh, X-Men Apocalypse oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like the most underuse of like a such a good actor like ever <laughs> yeah he doesn't even get to chew the scenery much in that movie it's a shame no he doesn't get to do anything he literally gets to say a few generic bad guy things and where basically telegram and then and then he's gone yeah it's like he got it's like whatever his like uh, his price was was like just for the makeup duties because I bet that took like a day <laughs> Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Oh man. So I'm hoping that this um series actually does like kind of use his like acting chops more. I, to me like, it looks like it. Yeah. I think it looks pretty Yeah. So far it does. Yeah. Like he looks like he he really does look like he's like lost weight and stuff to kind of take on the character of someone who ha- who can't sleep, can't it, like, you know, mm. fit into society properly and but then it's like yeah, like when it, it's just I don't know when he picks up the phone. He's like, "Why do you keep calling me Mark?" <laughs> I was like, "Oh, oh no, it's gonna like." I hope it's good. Like it's sincere, but 
but I hope it's like good as well and not that like it's just it's not so bad that it's just funny and it's not good enough to be enjoyable it's like kind of sits in the middle and that's where yeah. I worry that it's going to end up yeah those are those are frustrating especially for like five hours long of content or whatever however long these shows yeah like it's only six episodes mm. um, but I feel like the other shows were longer weren't they uh, One Division was 10 but they had like shorter episode yeah. times like I think it ends up being like yeah. the same amount of recording time gotcha so yeah so maybe yeah um, ah, fair enough. No, anyway, that's um, that's the our impressions of the Moon Knight trailer, which um, yeah, uh, it's on the the official Marvel YouTube channel. So yeah, that's a new series. I think coming out in March, so not too long to wait. Uh, but yeah, I think next week uh, I'm gonna um take a rain check on the discussion about Peacemaker, which is the um John Cena character from The Suicide Squad. Yeah, not to be confused with. Suicide Squad <laughs> from a few years ago. So, yeah. Uh, I definitely want to hear your thoughts next week. Yeah, sure. Yeah, we can talk about how good Cena <laughs> is, weirdly. Um, yeah, like he... Yeah. I think he he knows the assignment and yeah. he just plays it well. He knows what he has to do for that. Yeah, I, I have things to say, <laughs> so I'll, I'll keep them Sweet. locked up for later. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it, man. like to ask us some questions that you'd like us to answer or if you'd like to explain why we're wrong <laughs> you can do so by writing into podcast at doublejump.co and we'd love to hear whenever you guys do send something through um, but yes uh, if you loved what you heard um, please follow us subscribe to us on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on uh, and head over to doublejump.co to read all of our awesome content especially if you're a uh, a tabletop gamer or a a FIFA fan because um yeah that's going to be a lot of fun and uh in the next week we're planning to release our game of the year article which is going to be a lot of fun um I will give a teaser that like no one picked the same game which I was really happy about I think this is like this yeah not last year because I think Hades pretty yeah, much yeah I was won, about to say it's the like, year before yeah before <laughs> it's like there were like four Hades picks so it's nice not yeah. to have that again. <laughs> But yeah, that, uh, look out for that on doublejump.co. And yeah, John, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, always, always love uh, shooting the shit with you every week. It's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, thank you. <laughs> it's like, I'm very, <laughs> yeah, it's nice talking all this shit stuff. <laughs> uh, and um, yeah, everyone, I hope you have a wonderful week. And until next time, look out for one another. See ya. Bye. Now, uh, let's uh, move on to some of the big news. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, I thought... <laughs> sorry. I have to edit this part <laughs> out. <laughs>